Morning, everyone. Happy day one of the next disaster. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's Deputy Political Editor, Ben Glaze. Good morning, Ben. Morning. Hello. And morning, Mike, who's commenting already. Now, this is a People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments like Lauren is here. Get it. Ask us your questions. We will do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast are just going to have to promote all your most inept friends to positions of crushing responsibility. So what have we got today? Well, the mirror has splashed on what seems like a very polite request, considering, which is that a woman who has served under the past three prime ministers who's been in government for 10 years and who is now our third PM in a little over three years, do something to fix the mess that she seems so cross about and is so completely not connected to. Now, Ben, this is a prime minister who, according to polls, 50 percent of the country is unhappy about her being prime minister. She was voted in by less than a third of her own MPs and has the lowest winning mandate of any Tory leader since I think it's John Major. Can she fix it? Well, next year's or show, won't you? She's only got a very short space of time before the next general election, which uh, by law must be held in January 2025. She already has said that she wants to go to the polls in 2024, promising a great victory um, when she did her acceptance speech at the QE2 Centre in London on Monday. Um, so she's not giving herself a lot of time. Um, we think that she's going to make a big energy announcement or her Chancellor could make a big energy announcement tomorrow in the Commons. Uh, but they're going to spend the day, uh, officials in Whitehall and ministers, finalising that plan, which, of course, so many people, um, so many families, struggling households are waiting for, waiting to hear how the government is going to help them as we're all braced to these mammoth bills that are going to start landing on October the 1st as the energy price cap goes up. Exactly. Uh, now, get into the comments, everybody. Ask us your questions. What do you think about Liz Truss being Prime Minister? What do you think she should be doing about your energy bills? What are your energy bills like? Uh, mine are getting pretty grim already. Um, we'll have to see. I'm going around turning all the power off. This is the only power on in the house at the moment. Uh, Josie says there's a general election needed. Well, of course there is. There's been one needed since the last general election, Josie. But, but we are where we are, as uh, is the mantra of our times and and this is the situation we find ourselves in now um on pages two and three of the mirror today the subs had some fun with his headlines and having campaigned on giving no handouts to anybody to fix the energy crisis there's now heavy briefing going on that someone's getting a hundred billion pounds of handouts but it's not us ben uh, the briefing says it's energy companies now there seems to be tell me if i'm wrong but there seems to be like there's a lot of kite flying going on where the policies are being briefed to reporters like you to see how well they land with the public, perhaps. But do we think this is what's going to happen? The taxpayer paying the energy suppliers for having to buy energy at extortionate prices that are set by energy providers who are all too often owned by exactly the same company? Well, there are several different ways of financing this, what could be a 90 to 100 billion pound package that we expect the government to announce tomorrow. One of the ways, of course, is by bumping up all our taxes. Um, well, Liz Truss has already suggested that won't happen because she said no new taxes under her premise. Cuts, didn't she? How's she going to tax? How's she going to cut anything? Exactly. Um, now, the other way is not doing tax rises now, but pushing them on to our children and their children's children and higher taxes into the future. So essentially, 
borrowing from the grandchildren, then there's a way of underwriting loans. So you tell the gas companies, the electricity companies, the energy giants that they can buy wholesale at the cost that it is and then give it to us more cheaply. So you basically are sending them money. Now, one way of doing that, of course, is to push up people's bills into the future. So you tack on 50 quid a year, um, but you won't start doing that until prices come down. Well, prices, will they come down? Don't know. Could be several years before prices come down if they ever do. Um, and of course, that is eventually putting up the costs. We don't know which version the government will go for. Neither is very palatable, obviously, at the moment. And one way or another, we will end up paying for it at some time in the future, as will our descendants. Exactly. Now, Glenn says, quite reasonably, uh, it's not freezing the price cap. The cut is still going up by £500. So the issue is where they freeze the price cap at. Do they freeze it at prices today, September the 7th? Do they freeze it at prices going up on October the 1st, as Glenn says, 500 quid? Um, and if they freeze it at this point, like you said, Ben, in theory, if the war carries on, if energy crisis carries on, in three years' time, the the fifty billion pound bill we've got now could be a hundred and fifty billion because it's a it's a blank check. It's saying to the energy suppliers, to OVO and Ecotricity and uh, British Gas and and Shell and everyone else who supplies our energy, and saying we're going to pay you forever, no matter what. Yeah, so just to talk some specifics, the current energy price cap is £1,971 a year. On October 1st, that will go up to £3,549. It was obviously a huge, huge increase, which a lot of families won't be able to afford. Simply, I mean, it's, it, that trips off the tongue, won't be able to afford. That is a matter of fact, though, that lots of families simply won't be able to pay, which is quite dramatic when you actually break it down. And think about it like that. Now, the level that the government might freeze it at is around about two and a half grand, so somewhere between the two. So it's quite right that it won't be frozen at the current level. But what the government could do is point to the help that was already announced uh, back uh, a few weeks ago, which is a £37 billion package, which will see households get £400 towards the increased bill. So if you Put that 400 on the £1,971, you get to about £2,371, which is not far off the two and a half grand that's being muted. So I suspect that's what we might end up seeing tomorrow, somewhere around about two and a half grand. And the £400 you're already getting might be built into that. So some kind of a freeze and the 400 quid which would be nice, I suppose. It's better than nothing, isn't it? But it's it's going to apply to everybody fairly equally. And, you know, the big big houses that just don't care about how much energy they use and rich people are going to get the same bang as poorer people who are going around turning everything off with a socket, aren't they? And well, Josie... The problem with that is, of course, it, yeah, if, if you don't means test it, it will apply to second homeowners. It will apply literally to the billionaire, you know, the rich man in his castle or poor man at his gate. Will It will apply to everyone. Now, you save money on the means testing because you're not going through the bureaucracy of doing it, but it is a very blunt instrument. And, of course, because poorer households spend more of their disposable income on things like this, it affects them more anyway. So the rich, wealthy households who might be able to afford it and will get it, they're going to be, forgive a pun, insulated um, as much as anyone else, if not more so, from price increases. And the other thing about if you do provide a rescue package, which we all want, 
is if you do that, it's also a disincentive then to actually try and save energy. I and mean, you mentioned going around switching the lights off. I mean, I've actually got quite strong opinions on that. But if uh, we all switch the lights off to start with um, in rooms that we weren't in, well, maybe we wouldn't have quite a bad problem as we did. And that's before you get into that's the economic argument before you get into the saving the environment. Um, argument. My father used to do this. Like I always switch the light off in the hall when we were all sitting in the living room. As a ten-year-old, used to do my head in. Now, paying my own bills, like I totally see what he was getting at. So we should all be doing that, regardless of the price increases, um, because it's it's good because it saves the world's resources. Sorry, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, we'll, Mike's comment uh, was annoyingly prescient, so we'll come back to that in the next section. But Josie says, did she work for a fossil fuel company in a previous job? There's no hope for our kids' futures, I despair. Um, well, we'll have to sort of see how that pans out a little bit, won't we, Josie, I suppose. Um, she hasn't worked for a fossil fuel company. She is an accountant, I think, by trade. I think she did work for Shell at one point. Oh, right. Yeah, back oh. in the day, not long after leaving university, I think she did work for Shell, yeah. I think oh, good. Good. Uh, and that's that's just wonderful news. Uh, you were right, Josie. Well done. Now, Chris says, are these price hikes, considering we are less affected by Russia than most of the EU, part of getting us back into work to bolster the economy and impact us further with fear of losing our jobs and this allows them to remove working rights without hassle? Chris seems to think it's all a conspiracy. Um, of some sort that the prices are affected trying to find a way to get us back into working in, in our old patterns again I, I don't think so because it takes quite a lot of energy to get to work and I, I have to spend a lot of energy just getting into this room sometimes um, but it, it, there's plans for removing working rights and other things anyway but that's you know that's if she survives the winter Chris to be fair and as Ben said if they can't fix this the government collapses in a few months it's not going to last very long now glenn says energy companies need to use their profits and government are cutting back green bids give everyone solar panels it will help with energy shortage there's lots of solutions isn't there ben some of them are longer term than others we could roll out immediate insulation help for everybody uh, if you go into your loft everyone right and you've got that rock wall loft insulation if it's a foot thick it's doing a good job of insulating your home. If it has been compressed by dust and time and life to like this thick, it is no longer insulating your home. Roof insulation is incredibly cheap. You can go and just buy it. The government could just help you go and buy it and you can roll it out in an afternoon and you can fix some of your problems. That kind of thing is simple, Ben. Are they going to suggest anything like that? And are they going to are they going to cap things for businesses as well? Because We've got maybe 100,000 businesses going to the wall next month. One of the suggestions is there might be uh, a cap for businesses, which could be obviously be at a higher rate than household cap. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's the small businesses that are facing astronomical increases of something like 400 to 500%, some, you know, shops, pubs, cafes. Um, they, th those increases, they're just, they're unsustainable. You know, businesses won't be able to operate. They will close. And if they close, more people become made um, unemployed and unable to afford their bills. You know, the, the circular argument of it, um, it's desperate. So, yeah, I do think there will be something for, for help for businesses. Um, opposition politicians have called for COVID-style loans or handouts of about, you know, uh, 50 grand, I think they were, during coronavirus, during the pandemic. Um, and that was at least as dramatic when they were shut, because if they were shut, they weren't actually using the bills. All right, they weren't making any money, but there was enough to have the heating on or cooking your bacon and eggs down the local greasy spoon, that sort of thing. So there will, I'm sure, be help for businesses. Um, you mentioned as well about the fitting of the solar panels. One thing that has baffled me for, for years 
is why on earth we are still building houses that don't have solar panels on the roof, that don't recycle rainwater, that don't have the insulation that, you know, we're supposed to be retrofitting now. Yeah. Every new house should have solar panel. Okay, it would push up the cost of building a house, but comparatively to the actual cost of the house, it won't be that much. The government could pass a law yeah. very quickly that says every new house must have solar panels on the roof. Simple as. You could do that now. You could, and it would bring down the prices massively for everybody, including if you're a retrofitting. And of course, if you're building, if you're a house builder and you're ordering 40,000 solar panels, the price you pay is is really nowhere near the price you'd pay to fit it on one single property. So it would be amazing. And create jobs. I quite agree with you. Now, um, yeah, this morning, Therese Coffey, our new Deputy Prime Minister, was on the radio um, and was saying that Liz Truss was, had lots of integrity. She has so much integrity, Liz Truss, that she still thinks Boris Johnson did nothing wrong. So we'll have to see how that pans out for her in the long run. Um, but moving on to Mike's question and the first order of business for Liz Truss. Now, Mike says, with Therese Coffey, Suella Braverman, Brandon Lewis, James Cleverley and Jacob Rees-Mogg, all in top jobs, and Johnny Mercer kicked out, have the ERG, the European Research Group, that right wing of the Tory party, have they taken over the cabinet? Ben, are we, have we seen a bloodless coup by the, the worst wing of the worst wing of the worst party that's well, been in government for the last decade? To my knowledge, only two of the, that five that Mike mentioned were actually in the ERG, which is uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg and Suella. Um, so, no, it's not an ERG takeover. Um, Almost everyone in the Conservative Party now is in the Parliamentary Party is a Brexit here anyway. You know, Brexit's done. You can argue about how well it's working and the Northern Ireland Protocol and delays at passport control. Brexit's happened. There isn't that divide anymore in the Conservative Party. Um, I think what has happened is it's again a cabinet of loyalists. You know, she, she purged the Sunak supporters such as Dominic Raab and Grant Shapps, brought in the people who switched to her very either supported her from the start or switched quite early in the campaign the leadership contest so just like Boris Johnson did she has surrounded herself with people she knows aren't going to try and stitch her up or stab her in the back the problem with that is have you got someone who can pull you up and tell you you're going down the wrong path or have you got a cabinet of yes men and women who just tell you what you want to hear exactly. um, Abraham Lincoln had a had a cabinet of rivals, which he thought was a more productive way of, of doing things. And he, yeah, you know, yeah. Alistair Campbell, who obviously wasn't in the cabinet, but was director of communications. Uh, he cast himself in the role of someone who could say uh, something I can't say at this time in the morning, um, <laughs> Prime Minister. But you know, some, something along the lines of "You've got this wrong, Prime Minister." Well, has Liz Truss got those people around her who can say that to her? Looking at the cabinet, it doesn't appear she does so far. No, well, um, well, her first order of business was appointing this new cabinet. The aforementioned Therese Coffey is deputy prime minister, and as a morbidly obese cigar smoker, was a clear shoe in for health secretary. Um, there's also plenty of Bryce Johnson's worst ideas have been turfed out. Bye bye, Dominic Raab. Bye bye. Uh, but some did get promoted. But we do have. It's got to be said. I'm coming to Alan's quote next. Question next. But Ben, we've got no white males in the four great offices of state for the first time in history. And if Labour was in government right now, they couldn't do that, could they? No, I mean, we were talking about this in the office last night. Um, it's the first time in history, no white man in at least one of the four great offices of state, which is Prime Minister, Chancellor, Home Affairs and the Foreign Office. Um, now, that, throughout all the criticisms are rightly levelled at the Conservatives on certain issues. You cannot, on this, 
fault them on the meritocracy of getting ethnic minorities into very high profile jobs. And that will encourage more or it should encourage theoretically more ethnic minorities to vote Tory if they see um, a brown face, a black face on the TV, at the dispatch box, making des- decisions that affect us all, talking about policy. And, and they are there. They're there not because of the colour of their skin, but because of, as Liz Truss sees it, the merit. They are there on merit. Um, and no, Labour has a woeful record on, you know, the Tories have provided us with the only three women who've ever been prime minister. Mm. It's, it's awful that Labour can't say that. And every time Labour tries to attack the Tories on uh, on diversity, it will fall flat until they have a, a woman prime minister. Yeah, and I think they've only got one person of colour on the front bench as well at the moment. So it's um, in, um, in in one of those four Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it's um, it's pretty stinky on Labour's part not to do a bit more about that. Um, although it's also, I think, uh, patronising to assume that someone is going to vote for you just because they share your skin colour. I think I think people of colour yeah, have that, yeah. more wit than that, to be honest. Um, but. Uh, Alan says, how is the sacking of Johnny Mercer going to affect the veterans community, especially the nuclear veterans campaign, of which he was a great supporter and advocate? Our viewers of the show know that um, that's something that I report on a lot and that we've covered that a lot. Johnny Mercer has been doing a lot of work in the last few weeks behind the scenes to get some kind of justice for nuclear veterans before the new prime minister came in. But he did not go quietly, it should be said, into that good night on the back benches last night when he was... uh, fired as Veterans Affairs Minister, he posted this long personal statement in which he declared himself fairly appalled at the general state of things and urged all those in high office who trade on their time, he said, in the armed forces to extract digit from rectum and actually show that they care about the veterans community. Um, But that's in itself pretty extraordinary, Ben. But his wife, Felicity, went one step further on Twitter and posted a picture, look at that, likening Liz Truss to Beaker from the Muppets and calling her an imbecile. Uh, he asked her, why would you do this? Who's going to be better at this role than me? Which of your mates gets my job? And Liz said, I can't answer that, Johnny. Uh, ben, this is the first time I can remember a political spouse being this outspoken since Christine Hamilton and her cardigans. Uh, but it's the second time Mercer's been sacked this year, so he's probably quite annoyed. Um, is he, with Boris, going to be perhaps a, a very loud noisemaker on the backbenches if he wants to be? Is this, a, is this a sign that she's already causing massive divisions and the wheels are falling off her government? Yeah, sacking. So Johnny Mercer's a bit of a loose cannon, right, to, to, to use the, uh, the military vernacular. He's a former army captain. He's very outspoken. He represents uh, Plymouth Moorview. Um, and, yeah, he's he's... He is very vocal for supporting his old comrades um, in the, the armed forces, which is fair enough. Um, as veteran affairs minister, he was obviously very close to, to veterans, served alongside many of them, spoke very passionately in Parliament, initially on the back benches and then on the front bench about why the country, the government, his government, should be doing more to support veterans. Um, he resigned a while back over the, from Boris Johnson's government over the, the uh, Northern Ireland prosecutions um, arising from the Troubles. Uh, and then he went back as Veteran Affairs Minister just after everyone else resigned. Um, Boris Johnson asked him to come back. So for two months, he's been back as Veteran Affairs Minister. 
Now Listress has sacked him, and obviously he's gone off on one in that resignation letter, which totally understandably he's upset, and yeah, he thinks he can do the best job. I mean, I think even Johnny Mercer would admit he ha- does have something of an ego, but that doesn't mean he's wrong about it. Um, and, you know, I actually quite like him, and I respect his outspoken views. I think he actually said something quite disparaging about me on Twitter once, which I don't hold against him. Um we had a rap Twitter once as well. We now text each other. It's fine. <laughs> but his um, his wife Felicity is an absolute gift to journalists. Like we, you know, this is the the most high profile intervention she's done on Twitter. But for months and months, she's she's been very amusing on social media, uh, commentating on the state of the party and various other things. And if you remember back uh, during the Six Nations, uh, Johnny Mercer had been out. Uh, watched the rugby and then his football team, which I think is Plymouth, that he supports, um, they played a, an FA Cup match and Johnny had had a, a few drinks, it's fair to say, and then fell asleep on the sofa back in his constituency home. And then the phone went and it was the Prime Minister who wanted to talk to him. And apparently he spoke to the Prime Minister and woke up the next morning, had no idea what they talked about. And how do you know all this? Because Felicity posted it all on Twitter with a picture. Thanks, Flick. Well done. Um, but to answer Anna's question and more seriously, I think it is probably going to is going to affect the nuclear veterans and other veterans, because what's happened is Veterans Affairs, which was in cabinet under this very last reshuffle that Boris Johnson did in, in, the, in the body of Mercer, has been handed to someone called James Heapy. Now, he was a minister for the armed forces, a junior minister in the MOD. And this job, which was in the cabinet office, has now been shifted over to the MOD and given to this guy who already had another job. So veterans affairs have now been, if you like, just downgraded into a job share um, uh, by with someone who, if you uh, go through his history, um, is he is a major. He served in Iraq and Afghanistan, but is a member of the rifles. They're not quite the same part of the army that Mercer was from. And. Um, well. I won't say what I think of him, but I know what some people in the military think of him. So we'll have to wait and see how that all pans out. But hopefully we all keep pushing for the nuclear veterans. We'll have to see how it goes. But uh, first off, very quickly, there is some good news in the world. We've found it for you. Here it is. So Blackpool Tower uh, has is it was feared that some of the illuminations were not going to be working this year because of the energy crisis. Cardiff's fireworks display got cancelled. The festive light switch on in Guildford, sorry, has been cancelled because of the cost of electricity these days. But Blackpool, 20 years ago, switched to eco-friendly bulbs and renewable energy and cut its costs by 75% over 20 years. And so Blackpool is going ahead. Now, Ben, is this proof that some of us will survive the oncoming apocalypse uh, and it's those who can do ballroom dancing? I'm very excited by this. I I went to Blackpool a couple of years ago and uh, weirdly actually managed to miss the uh, illuminations by think about six days we're going a bit too early but hey um but no i'd love to go back and see the lights and good on blackpool 20 years ago for seeing which way the wind was blowing and i suspect what they've done is not uh, the eco-friendly bulbs i suspect they're the ones that actually cost far more to buy than your bog standard incandescent bulbs but they use far less energy so as long as you can outlay a bit we can do this in your house as well um if you can afford the extra bulb the the, the more expensive bulbs then it cuts massively um, your energy usage, which is obviously good for the environment and good for costs now. So yeah, well done Blackpool. Um, I must say, I know this is the good news section, 
being from Cardiff, I'm very disappointed that Cardiff isn't having its fireworks display. Um, fireworks are one of my favourite things. And yeah, it's literally money going up to smoke, isn't it? So you can see why they might think we cut that. But you've got to give people a bit of hope and excitement and watching things explode in the sky, making pretty shapes and colours. We don't need Cardiff fireworks anymore, Ben. All you've got to do is go close to the Mercer household and just bathe in their fury. Right, <laughs> we'll all be warm and we'll all be entertained. Now, we've got one more question before we go. Mo Johnny Yenriaz says, so what if there's no white males in the four great offices of state? Are they the best contenders for the job? Should be the main reason. Uh, possibly the best contenders for the job in the narrow band of people who like Liz Truss is, I think, perhaps where we are, Mo, as opposed to the best contenders in the entire country. I think some of the people who, who ask questions on here are probably better contenders for the main offices of state than some of the ones we've had in there recently. But anyway, we'll have to see, won't we? And we've got to wind up, I'm afraid. Um, thank you, everyone, for taking part. Thank you, Ben, for joining me. Perhaps if Blackpool saw the signs of an oncoming energy crisis 20 years ago, our government should have done the same. We'll have to see, won't we? Uh, let's all see how things turn out. Uh, if you buy the paper today on page 18, there's a voucher for a free National Trust day out. Get it. Take your family. Have some fun. Uh, otherwise, just go and move next door to Johnny Mercer. That should be fun by itself. Um, thank you, everyone. We'll see you next Monday for another edition of the News Agenda. Bye bye. <laughs>